podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion with me, your host, Stephen Wallace. In last week's episode, we focused on the bloodstock world. This week, it's the turn of national hunt racing with conditional jockey Charlotte Jones, who I interviewed at the end of September. Charlotte is a first-class northern jockey who has just had an incredible couple of days, riding a treble at Hexham on November the 10th and a double at Kelso the following day. Five rides, five winners, all for her Cumbria-based trainer, Jimmy Moffat. If you are looking to hear from a dedicated and competitive up-and-coming rider who thrives on hard work, settle back for 35 minutes of inspiring listening. Hello, Charlotte. Thanks for joining me on the Paddock and the Pavilion. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, we also need to thank Tabitha Worsley, who was our guest on episode 94, who provided the introduction. Yeah, brilliant. Tabitha's a lovely, lovely teammate of mine. I think she's sunning herself on, on holiday at the moment, taking a break, I think. Well, I saw that on Instagram. Oh, absolutely. She does right. It's a tough enough game, so... <laughs> Do you need that sort of break away sometimes to to recharge your batteries, especially during the the summer? Um, Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, for me, I'm attached to Jimmy Moffat's yard and we tend to have runners all summer at our local track, Cartmel. Um, So summertime is probably quite intense for us. um, But it's, yeah, it's definitely needed whenever you can kind of get a couple of weeks here or there um, around racing to try and have some sort of break. But you like to keep busy. I saw the other day you were doing some eventing, dressage? Yeah, I mean, I'm a busy kind of girl. I've got a lot on, Um, probably take on a little bit too much, but I have recently, sort of in the last 18 months, taken on um, an ex-racer from from work, from Jimmy's Yard, um, altruism, Um, and I've just sort of, we're just getting going. So the weekend was his sort of first low-level, first competitive event it was just a uh, low-level dressage um just to sort of see nice place to start see how we got on in a, a different competitive environment other than the racetrack <laughs> it must be very different skills for you and and the horse yeah i mean it is it's totally different totally totally different but fortunately it's that's probably the background i've come from more so um as a kid and before i got into racing that's kind of the area that i was mainly interested in so i kind of had to adapt my riding to to learn how to race ride and, and all them things and then so it's nice to be able to go back and do that kind of stuff and it's it's good that i feel like i'm competent enough to do both so yeah that was a good cue for my next question, really, was when did you first uh, sit on a, a horse or pony? Um, God, it'll have been about when I was six years old. I went to a, I actually went to a friend's birthday party um, as a young child, just at a trekking centre, which was local to me, called Seaview Riding School, and they were brilliant. So that I... After that, I was hooked, um, and I used to go every week to sort of pony club on a Monday, and I'd be there all day, every day of a weekend. And then I finally persuaded my mum to get me my own when I was about eleven. So, so yeah, and then it all went. That was it. I was obsessed after that. <laughs> so it wasn't family that um, that sort of rode as well, no. No, literally, um, my family. I'm the only one in my family who rides. They wouldn't know one end of a horse from another. Um, and to be honest, yeah, they're probably pretty scared of most animals. So yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the odd one out, and 
everything animal is is all me so yeah so what led you into racing i know you went to um equestrian college didn't you yeah so i mean as i grew up i obviously enjoyed it that much i didn't quite think that a levels were for me so i went to my school college studied um an extended diploma there for two years um i actually wanted to be a physio um but ironically, I couldn't get on any human physio courses. They said at the time I had to do human physio first, so whatever. I tried to get on degrees of human physio, but because I've done horses at college, that I wasn't able to. They wouldn't take me on. Um, so I kind of had to have a bit of a change of mind and decide what I wanted to do. So in the end, I kind of decided I didn't really want the break from education um, as I didn't feel like I'd ever get back into it. Um, so I... I stayed on at my school and I got a degree in equine science through UCLan and it was there I actually I had a tutor who is now um sort of the CEO of the Scottish Racing Academy she's the founder of that and um she taught me anatomy and physiology and a lot of that was based on the racehorse as an athlete and it was sort of from there on that I was kind of hooked um and fortunately, my granddad was actually very much into horse racing, only as a punter. He didn't have horses or anything like that, um, but he'd have a bet every day. So he, I remember sort of in the summer between my second and third year, I was kind of sat watching Royal Ascot with him. And I was like, right, this is what I want to do. So, so yeah, that was it, really. That was the first, um, first stages. <laughs> and you're also a qualified instructor, I read. Yeah, so I yeah I'm qualified to teach. So I did all my qualifications alongside my degree. Um, so yeah, I do bits and bobs of that on the side um, when I'm not racing. So hopefully, the more the merrier. Um, I really enjoy helping people. If there's anything I can pass on that what I've learned and seeing people improve um, and helping people improve, yeah, I'm really passionate about that. How did you then start at Jimmy Moffat's then? Um, so it was actually my tutor at the time, Eleanor, who's the one I've just previously spoke about. She worked, she was the stable yard manager at my local track, Cartmel. Um, and she sort of said, oh, well, if you want some work experience, you can come and work here with us if you want. So I was like, oh, yeah, why not? I'll learn a thing or two. So again, sort of with watching my last got my granddad and then I went to Cartmel Race Course, did some help on the stable yard working there. And it was only when I sort of got to speaking to people, I was kind of sort of saying, like, this is what I want to do. How do I get into it? Kind of just asking the questions, really. And it happened that um, Jimmy, obviously, who's my local trainer, had a member of staff who was leaving. So I just kind of approached him and said, can I come and work for you? Do you have any work experience? Do you offer that kind of thing? And then he was kind of like, here you go. I'll give you my number. Give me a call and we can talk about it further. So obviously I did. Um, and he invited me into the yard. Um, I think it was the following Saturday morning um, and then it kind of went from there really and obviously I still had another year left to do um, of my degree so I was actually uh, what I was doing at the time was I was going in mucking out riding out and then I'd be driving to uni in my obviously my final year my dissertation year and things driving up to Preston um, doing all my dissertation staying there till about half nine ten o'clock and then driving back home and doing the same thing again the next day so I kind of Luckily, I was sort of part-time there and then he offered me a full-time job on my licence when I um, when I finished my degree, so that was good. Well, that's dedication for you, doing that. Well, to be honest, I think 
saying that, I mean, Altruism, who's obviously now my my horse, he helped. He was in training at the time and I rode him, looked after him every single day. I've rode him and looked after him every day for the last eight years um, now. So, yeah, he helped because he was probably a lot of my motivation because I really enjoyed riding him, um, being every bit involved with um his journey as a racehorse so that was a that was a big help but I knew it was what I wanted to do in the future and I'm extremely competitive which I suppose as you can imagine being a jockey so um I didn't want to settle for anything other than the best kind of marks for my for my degree so if I didn't get a first I'd have probably been trying to find ways to reset <laughs> yeah I bet there's not that many jockeys who've got first class degrees are there um, probably not, but I mean, I wouldn't change the way I've done. I've done things differently to everybody else, every other single person, but I wouldn't change that. I think it's probably made me who I am and and it's an achievement that I'm I'm really proud of and especially doing it sort of whilst transitioning into the world of racing, which is obviously chaotic um, as well. Yeah, it's all, all exciting. <laughs> it's organised chaos, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, probably most of the time. Sometimes. <laughs> well, I've got ten questions here, which I think is going to really tell your story. Uh, first one is, who was your first racing hero? Hmm. Um, it's really difficult because I probably am a lot again a lot different to every other jockeys, and uh, I nearly probably don't have one. Um, obviously, the things Rachel Blackmore has done over the past um, couple of years is a massive inspiration. Um, but I'm very much sort of like, obviously not, I hadn't really watched a great deal of racing neither, apart from, I'd watched the Grand National every year since I was a kid. Um, but to tell you the truth, I actually wanted to be a show jumper when I, when I was growing up. That was kind of my, always what I wanted to do. So I suppose it's similar, but a little bit different. Um, so I think through having not really watched that much racing and then not really being any any real female role models until recently, I kind of just didn't, I wasn't really bothered in that respect of who I can be kind of like and who I can look up to. Obviously, my coach, Brian Harding, he's brilliant. And like my boss, Jimmy, he's brilliant. My agent, um, John, he's also brilliant. Then I think it's really important that I've got that support network around me. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just kind of paddling my own ship, trying to be the best that I can be. So, and I think if when you try too hard to to be like somebody else or to to do things like somebody else, I just think that you you're too busy focusing on on somebody else kind of thing. When was your first ride? What can you remember about that? Uh, God, yeah, my first ride was in 2016. Um, it was at Cartmel. Um, it was in the Lady Riders race. It was on a horse called Smart Ruler, um, and he finished third. Yeah, that was that was carnage, but it was brilliant. I was chuffed that he finished third, um, and I was absolutely made up. It felt like I'd kind of just got off a roller coaster, and I was like blown away by this amazing feeling and this adrenaline rush that I'd felt. Um, and to be honest, I just I couldn't believe he'd actually finished third. I was thinking I've actually finished third in 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 a real life race. Like, what well, what's going on? And <laughs> um, when was your first win? Um, so that came a little bit later. So that was 
My first ride was in the July 2016, and then my first win was in the May of 2017 on a horse called Lock Kent. It was in a conditional jockey's race, also at Cartmel, um, and he just kind of came from the back and out of nowhere, just sort of stayed on through the field and finished. And, I mean, I feel like that day, like, something came over me that I've never really experienced before. I was My hands were up, I was cheering, and, and I remember Jimmy had said to me, don't ever do that again, don't celebrate like that ever again. And I was like, oh, right, sorry, sorry. I didn't really realise, I didn't I didn't know that wasn't the done thing. But I was just so made up that I'd had, I'd had a winner. Like, So I kind of was a bit a bit overall with it, really. Because you hadn't had many rides when you rode your first winner, had you? no. No, not at all. I'd had a handful of, uh, but yeah, probably a small handful of rides. Probably uh, off the top of my head, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I wouldn't have even said I'd have, I'd have had 10. To be fair, I think I know what the the answer to this question is, but I will ask it. What's your favourite race course? Oh, now, do you know what? I don't know. It depends. It depends how I'm doing at that race course. I mean, if you'd have asked me last year, I'd have said Cartmel all day long. However, this year. I've had two winners there this summer. I had twelve by the time, like this time last year. So I'm, um, I did, obviously Cartmel is a special place to me. Um, it's local. I've rode a lot of winners around there. I have a lot of local support. Um, I used to do Pony Club Camp there when I was a kid. It's the first place I learned to make a cup of tea. Um, when I was at Pony Club Camp. So yeah, it is a very special place. But the thrill of riding around Aintree that. That's amazing. I, I, I was lucky enough to ride a winner later in the year of 2017 at Aintree. And, yeah, I probably didn't really understand the, the scheme of it back then um, to actually appreciate it. But, but yeah, that was good. I quite like riding around Haydock as well. Um, and, again, probably Perth, to be fair. So, yeah, I'd say they're probably up there with my, my favourite tracks to ride around. Because you've, you've been the leading rider at Cartmel, haven't you? Yeah, I was there that not this season, obviously, but uh, the past two seasons. Yeah, I was leading rider around Cartmel, so that was that was very special. And uh, like I said, to do it twice meant a little bit more because I kind of I kind of felt like I'd concreted it a little bit rather than it being just a fluke. <laughs> What's your favourite other sport? Um, well, I mean, obviously rugby is big in my household, so I'd be. I'd be getting shot if rugby wasn't up there. But um, to be fair, I think for, for me, I'm I'm quite big into netball. I mean, maybe not so much anymore, obviously, through not playing it and not having the time to play like I did. But I was always a very um, competitive, enthusiastic netballer so, throughout my younger years. So, And to be honest, it's something I am looking uh, getting back into a little bit because I just think it keeps you fit. I enjoy it. Um, and the competitive element obviously it's nice to be part of a team with a good group of girls so yeah I'd probably say netball really I thought you might say rugby because um, your boyfriend uh, Sam Bedlow plays for the South Sharks yeah so he's just signed this season back at Sale Sharks he was there in the academy uh, when we were a lot younger and then went down to Bristol for six seasons so he was at Bristol Bears Um, so yeah it's nice to have him back up north I'm chuffed about that (laughs) So do you get to watch him when you can? I do now, yeah. I mean, there was probably only a handful of times I got down to Bristol because obviously with working, I mean, I went down to Bristol, but I wouldn't always be there in time for the games because obviously games on a Friday night, well, I was obviously riding out Saturday mornings. 
Um, and then obviously any games that sort of started on a Saturday, with them being sort of down south, it was a good sort of four hours from me. So often they would start latest, maybe three o'clock. But obviously, I don't finish riding out till sort of half twelve. So I could get into the games was a struggle. Um, but I'd go to as many as I sort of could. Sometimes if there was a Sunday one or if I was able to get away early at any point, I'd go. But yeah, it wasn't many. But now that he's at sale, um, I'm only, I mean, I live half an hour from sale now. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a lot better. Who's your best friend in the weighing room? You can say Tabitha if you want. Um, to be honest, I did. I get on really well with Tabitha, but she's obviously down south, isn't she? So I don't like the, how often I see her. When I do see her, obviously, yeah, she's great. I get on with her really, really well. But to be honest, it's probably Emma Smith Chaston. I'd say, as far as the Northern girls go, she's at nearly every meeting I ride at. So yeah, I get on with her really well. Here's just a very straightforward question: Would you rather win the Cheltenham Gold Cup or the Grand National? Both. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, to be honest, I think probably for me personally, the Grand National holds a lot more prestige. And I'd say I've probably only really been interested in Cheltenham and the Gold Cup since being involved in racing. However, the Grand National, I've watched every year without fail since I was tiny. So I'd probably say that's more of an important one for me. But you have been down to ride at Cheltenham, haven't you? Yeah, I was uh, lucky enough to ride. I rode in 2021, but it was... I kind of feel like I was cheated of the full um, Cheltenham experience because it was just after racing restarted again after COVID. So there was no crowd. Um, it was a very strange environment, but it was, albeit it was still there. So it was it was good. It must have been strange though during COVID when you were racing without any crowds. Yeah, it was. It was very um, eerie is probably a good word. It, it was almost, you almost felt like you were in sort of a video game and it was, things were moving around and there wasn't a lot of action outside of the track. So it was definitely nice to, when crowds were allowed back in. Here's a different one for you. We're going to talk about it later anyway, but what's your favourite gin and tonic flavour? Um. I I don't actually like tonic because I've got the palate of a child and I have got a very sweet tooth. Um, so I'm not a tonic person, but gin I really like um, a rhubarb, a rhubarb gin and apple tizer. Well, we've got your own. You've got your own label, so we're going to talk about that later. But here's we've you've mentioned this already, so I, I've almost anticipated your answer here. But your best win so far, I think we know what that is, and at. Um... Um, at Aintree, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it is. I, having a winner at Aintree is brilliant, no matter what it is. But I think at the time, I mean, I was still a £10 claimer. Um, and it was probably, it wasn't the worst ride I, I'd probably give a horse. But I, I need, the way it looked, I was everywhere. I made the running. It was one of my first times making the running. And I was right down the middle of the track. I was the—I mean, the horse didn't help me one little bit. I had to basically send her the whole way for three miles. So I was—I was dead at the end of it. But um, nevertheless, it's a winner at Aintree. But I think, um, in turn, I mean, I've won the Crystal Cup at Cartmel on Alpism. Um, so that was—that was quite special. Um, and I won one of the other big races on Lock Kent and the Cartmel Cup on Alkmaar. Um, so yeah, probably aside from from the entry, I mean, I've had a, a couple of winners at Haydock. It's always nice to have a winner at Haydock as well, um, really. But 
Yeah, as far as big wins go, I'm still waiting on one. So hopefully, hopefully this is the season. <laughs> so the, returning to the win at Aintree, 33 to 1, 15 runners. Um, it was your first ride at Aintree, is that right? Yeah, that was my first ride at Aintree. Um, and obviously I was lucky enough to win. Um, but yeah, she the horse one, she, she she didn't make it easy for me one little bit. I, I think I might as well have carried her the whole way around. <laughs> Here's a question that I ask quite often on the show is, if you could ride any horse in history, and it could even be a show jumper in your case, who would it be and why? I mean, racing-wise... I'd love, you know, girl power and all that kind of things. But I would really, really, really love to have had been able to have a spin on um, Highland Lodge, who was in our yard over the national fences. I mean, I'm yet to see a horse who jumped them fences better than him. So I would really, really have loved to have a go on him um, doing that. And didn't he win the Beecher Chase? Is that right? Yeah, he won the Beach Chase in 2015 and then he was beating a short head in... 2016 so yeah he was he loved the place he loved Aintree um he came alive as soon as he walked down the ramp of the wagon so I think if if I could and I know obviously he's not one of the top sort of famous horses that sort of um that's ever ever been but like I say I've not I don't think I've really seen many that jump them fences as well as he does have you had a chance to have a spin over the the Grand National fences yet no, not yet. I mean, we had um, a runner in the beach uh, in Dece- back in December, Rapid Flight, who I won five on last season. Um, but I wasn't actually qualified at the time to ride over the national fences because I hadn't had 10 winners over fences. I'd only had nine, but obviously that's changed now. So I just whenever the opportunity comes, obviously I'll grasp it with both hands. But um, yeah, that's probably one on the bucket list. Well, thanks for answering those. Before we go on to talk about women in racing what's it like to ride for jimmy moffitt um yeah it's it's brilliant i mean he's jimmy has been really good to me he's probably been like a like a sort of a father figure really in the yard um and he's he's really good in that respect because um he wouldn't he's helped me a lot along the way obviously i was new to racing when i came into the sport and um obviously not really knowing what goes on how things work um he was really helpful i mean don't get me wrong he's told me off a few times when i've got things wrong here and there but um but yeah he's learned to sort of trust me along the way um with the horses um and now we sort of are able to have discussions about uh, the way that the 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 ridden, the way they are, the race they go for, things like that. So that that's always good. And I mean, he's good because it's all very much a team effort. Do you know what I mean? When they've got obviously the staff and and things that were there as a team, so it, it's good in that respect. And you mentioned Brian Hardy, and you get to chat through rides with him. Yeah. So Brian is my jockey coach. He's been my jockey coach since I've been a seven-pound claimer, um, and I try and get to him up to his to use the equisizer um, and just for general coaching. Try and get there maybe once a week, once every two weeks if I can. Um, depends what I've got on and what we're what we're doing each week. Um, but then if not, sometimes he'll come into Jimmy's and we'll be schooling horses. So he's always a big help in that respect. Um, he's at the races when I ride, so I tend to walk the track with him as well, so I can discuss my upcoming rides of the day. Um, and then I'll catch up with him at some point, either on the phone or next time I see him later on about what he thought of that ride. Or and yeah, so it's that's really helpful because 
I find him a very straight person, so he'll he'll tell me if I've done a rubbish job, and he'll also tell me if I've done a good job. So I I, I value and trust his opinion a lot. Let's move on to women in racing. What are your thoughts about the number of female national hunt jockeys? Um, we're very slim, aren't we? Very slim on the ground. Um, I just think it's it's an amazing sport to be a part of, and I hope that I can inspire um, a younger generation and some more ladies to to get involved in in the sport that we're in. So yeah, definitely think we need more. Is it a lack of opportunity? Because we've had uh, Rachel Blackmore has won the Champion Hurdle, the Gold Cup, the Grand National. Bryony Frost has won the King George. She's won the Ryanair. Lizzie Kelly has won Grade Ones. Why aren't there? Um, why aren't there more of them? Uh, I mean, I think it's obviously perspectives are changing. It's not. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet. I don't think it's quite an equal sport yet. Um, things are moving forward, things are progressing. Obviously, people are aware. And I think the fact of the likes of Holly Doyle on the flat, Rachel Blackmore, Bryony Frost, them sorts of people in the limelight and doing the things that they've done is only positive for women in racing. Um, and to tell you the truth, I, I actually think it's it's finding women who've got who've got the characteristics. I think racing is quite a publicly closed not really very transparent so i hope like and through probably no fault of its own it's not it's not transparent on purpose um it's i think it's just people are we're that in our own bubble and busy people sort of don't really reach out and be like and this is what we do and i think because to us it's the things that we do every day it's just mundane it's just what we do we don't we don't think anything of it whereas to people who are not in racing they're really interested by what we do kind of on the daily so i think that it's probably a little bit of people like young girls and things it's not an area where you would know how to get into it unless you knew somebody already in it so I think that's probably one big area that is probably what stops people um and I think also it's finding a like a female I mean I'm not sexist in any way shape or form um and in fact I'm very much all for women in sport women in racing women doing this and that and whatever I'm very much about that but I think it's probably finding women who are resilient enough, who are probably tough enough to take things on the chin and have a bit of that that male characteristic about them to be competitive and, and to be that, that kind of that fire in the belly almost sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's almost tough to find women that have that. Because it it is a, a tough sport, isn't it? It's not. It's not all glamour, is it? You're working very oh, hard, long hours, yeah. aren't you? And, and and there's danger. I know you're going to say there's no danger because you don't think of it, but there is danger in what you do. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, you're travelling over 30, 40 mile an hour on a horse that's got its own mind, and then you somebody goes and sticks five foot fences in the way. So you know, it's not. Um, it it is dangerous, but at the end of the day, if you think like that, then then there's no point doing it, is there? So you've you've got to enjoy it and you've got to be dedicated because it is hard work, but it's worth it when you win. <laughs> and do you consider more role models like yourself and you've mentioned Holly Doyle, Rachel Blackmore, will in, inspire more young girls to take up race riding? I hope so. I mean, it's all that you I can't you can't sort of do any more. I mean, from my perspective, I I mean I try and 
try and promote racing as much as I can on my social media and also try and promote a normal sort of lifestyle like I'm not like I'm a normal person I'm not born into racing I'm a normal person I've got normal sort of family not like a racing I mean I don't mean normal as if people in racing aren't normal but you know I mean I'm not I'm not from a racing background. I don't have anyone in my family. My friends, obviously, apart from the friends who I've got in the yard and in racing. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is a different world. But I do try and promote that like, you can kind of do a little bit of both. And I think it's important for both and to escape from the world of racing for your mental well-being and and physical, really. Like, at the end of the day, it sounds a little bit selfish sort of just focusing on yourself. But if you don't, then you're only responsible for your own happiness, aren't you? Because when you were younger, you said earlier, there wasn't really the, as many a role models and certainly like yourself who've come from outside the bubble to actually sort of watch and inspire others to, to, to race ride. Well, there wasn't. I mean, I I couldn't before Rachel Blackmore, Holly Doyle, and I mean, this might be me being a bit ignorant, but I didn't watch racing and I certainly didn't know of a female jockey. So I just never, I've never kind of developed with a female jockey role model in mind. And I think I can't, I'm not, I'm not a male. So I can't look at, at someone who's a male and say, oh, I want to do that. Like, yeah, all right, I can compete on the same level as them. Of course I can. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not anybody else. I'm me. So I don't want to ride like anybody else. I want to ride like me. I want to do things the way I want to do things. And I want to do I want to to break through and I wanna I wanna do things the way I do. So I'm not really one for sort of being like, well, I want to do it like them. I mean, I could take little bits of sort of saying, Oh, well, so and so rides like this, I quite like that, so and so does that, and be like, mm, how do I do that? How I can take bits of here and there, but ultimately I can only adapt it to my own style of doing things. Well, thanks for answering those questions. Uh, one more serious question, really. How do you deal with, which you must get as a as a female jockey, as a jockey, online abuse on social media? Uh, to be honest, I'm probably a little bit numb-minded to it all. I just think unless you've done what I've done, then I don't think, in my opinion, I don't value what you have to say kind of thing. So I... The people, the people who I value the opinion of are my coach, my agent, obviously Jimmy, um, and say senior jockeys. Um, but other than that, if you haven't done, if you've not ridden a horse on the track, if you haven't sort of been and done what I'm doing, then I, I, you could tell me I'm rubbish. You could tell me I'm good, but I just kind of think, well, you don't know. So you, if you're not there and you're not doing it, then it's it's totally different to how it looks on the telly <laughs> yeah well well said charlotte that it must be tough though when you're getting well, i mean it, yeah but again i, I like to say I, I just kind of ignore it because that and i would you could easily get yourself beat up about it and and get yourself into a sort of stew but like I say ultimately if you haven't done it you might be able to ride a horse normally but again that's totally different to race riding and you might know a lot about racing and you might sit and watch a lot of racing but you've never ridden a horse so and then tying the two things together like i say i, I just think unless anyone's done it then say what you want because I, i'm it's, it's irrelevant <laughs> do you know what i mean I, i'm not i don't dwell on unless it's come from somebody who's actually been in the position I'm, i've been in the paddock and the pavilion is probably the only podcast which covers cricket and horse racing and we have a large archive of inspiring stories. 
Back in episode 94, I chatted to Tabitha Worsley, who recalled riding in the 2021 Grand National. Here's a short clip. I say I was lucky enough he'd been around before and he was very good. So I just got to sit and enjoy him. And they went very, very fast, which you'd expect in a 40-runner handicap. Um, but he just kept plugging away and he just stays all day. He just probably doesn't have the gears that he would have had two years ago. And he got round, he came 14th of the 15 finishes. How did that feel when you finished the Grand National? Oh, it's unbelievable. So we always went there sort of hoping, first things first, safe round, get round complete, everyone back in one piece. And if we could then finish top half, we'd be over the moon. And he's done exactly that. So couldn't be happier. Well, changing the subject completely, you've also got your own gin label. With uh, with Sam, how how did that all come about? Yeah, so I mean, uh, obviously, so he played down at Bristol Bears, and there's actually a distillery down there called True Valley. Um, I'm not sure if anyone's heard of it, but um, and a couple Sam and a couple of the other Bristol Bears players got friendly um, with Joe. He's called who owns True Valley, um, and anyway, just we all kind of got talking. We were kind of like, oh, should we make our own gin? So. So we did, we did all the tasters and decided obviously on our labelling, logos, bottles, everything that you can decide we kind of, we came up with. Um, so we released our original flavour, which was quite a citrus-based flavour. Um, we also did um, an elderflower flavour. Um, and then we also collaborated with Clifton Coffee and did like a coffee sort of flavoured gin. So that kind of was a bit more like like a liqueur type, type sort of drink. Um, but we're actually just in the process of selling that at the moment because obviously now Sam's sort of come up north and it's just sort of, there's not really a lot of point in us being involved and doing that. So, we're, yeah, so that's kind of all just in the middle of going through a sale at the moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just, we're on to a, we're on to a, drinks, a drinks truck for now. <laughs> just for different events like weddings. Um, we took it to Catmull races throughout the summer. So it was at every meeting um over Cartmel races so just a general sort of drinks trailer truck kind of thing so what does the future hold for chart jones lots more winners lots more rides i hope so yeah i mean i i feel like the best is yet to come i'm not i'm nowhere near where i want to be just yet so i feel like i'm still on the up um i'm i think i'm about 12 or 13 winners left riding out my claim um so i just yeah and i hope i can get a couple of big race wins and I'd like to have a ride over the national fences at some point and like if I can be successful and be an inspiration to younger people if I can interest another female jockey at all to to join the sport then then I'm satisfied with that well 57 winners I I looked up at the moment and you are getting more rides Uh, yeah I think about 62 actually oh right I'm mistaken there sorry yeah I think about 62 so yeah and Again, the season's just getting going, so hopefully over the next month or so we'll have there'll be more meetings. Um and yeah, that's the one. More rides, more winners. <laughs> so will there be plans at some point to come come south, hopefully to Cheltenham? Um, if we've got anything I mean, to be honest, hopefully we've got we have got a nice team of horses for the winter. We've got quite a few younger horses coming through the yard now as well. So I'd say over the next if not this season, certainly next season. Um, there'll be a lot more exciting. Sort of, we've got a good army to go to war with, really. So, um, 
So, yeah, I'd hope so. I'd like to think some of them might be capable of taking us there. Thank you very much, Charlotte, for, for joining me on the, the paddock and the pavilion. Uh, and the very best of luck for the, for the season. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network.